Dan 50K Ige. Dan Ige, he's coming up, he's improving every fight. You are a top 10 UFC fighter and you have to have this ability to like put pain on somebody yeah, else. Definitely a killer instinct. It's something for me I've had to learn and develop over time. It's my job, my livelihood, my family. It kind of kill or be killed. The zombie, man. I've been trying to fight this guy forever. I had called out Korean zombie who yep, was number four in the world. I took that fight and lost the decision. I took that really hard and took it very personal. I personally can't imagine you give your identity to a sport and because you do that depending on the outcome of these fights you can't help but find your identity in your losses when i started separating my identity again from winning and losing that's when i just realized i was like okay other than be becoming a champion i see what the bigger picture is welcome to the department podcast where we interview people who are killing it in their department and i'm so excited because today's department is the fighting department. Um, and I say that because Dan 50K Ige is a professional UFC fighter. He's a friend, um, he's a brother in Christ, and I'm just excited to talk about the journey to become a professional fighter, but all that entails with it being a follower of Jesus, a, a family man, and uh, you know even a leader in God's house as he leads a small group. And I'm just excited. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much, Omar. Um, it means a lot. I'm stoked to be here talking to you. And and yeah, you you, you nailed it, man. I think just breaking it down just from an identity aspect is just being a follower of Christ, being a husband, being Dan Ige makes me be best at fighting so and, and rather than, you know, tying my identity between winning and losing and success and failure, which I've done for a long time and I've learned along the way, like it really does come down to your core values and who you are so you can really excel in your field. It's really cool. I resonate with that just being someone who, you know, a lot of people always ask the question, like, how do you balance, you know, your faith and like what you do professionally? And I always say it's usually not a balance, more like a rhythm. Yeah. Because like right now you are in training mode you know yeah. this podcast will release uh the week of your fight which mm -hmm. you'll be fighting who you're who are you fighting i'm fighting bryce mitchell co-main okay. event september 23rd let's go yeah. uh yep. ufc fight number i don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Some, like, one of those nights <laughs> i know so, um, yeah. but you are a top 10 ufc fighter yeah and you when you say that you know like what goes through my head is like bro to be top 10 in a level of anything yeah. is huge. And I, I guess the question I wanted to start off with is, how do you become a top 10 UFC fighter? Yeah, uh, thank you. And it's it, it, it's a cool accomplishment and something that I, you know, I keep myself very grounded and humble. My wife, anytime I'm, I have like a conversation with someone that doesn't know who I am, I'm very humble. I never say I'm a UFC fighter. I don't go out of my way. And my wife's always the one like, he's top 10 in the UFC, top 10 in the world. So you know, it, it it just started with a dream and, and work ethic and discipline and just chipping away every single day, going through the trenches, going through the peaks and valleys of life. And, you know, I still have a lot of work to do, but it, it is amazing to look back and see how far I've come along this journey and top 10 in the world, you know, in my, in my given sport at the pinnacle of the sport, the UFC is like pretty amazing and it's cool to look back on, but I still have more to do. Yeah, and something I find is like oftentimes our lives are 
made for moments, yeah. right? And I, I kind of, that's what I want to kind of get to in this conversation are like, what were some of those key moments? So like you said, it was always a dream, but like, what was the moment like where you felt like, okay, I'm going to give my life to fighting? Yeah, I think for me, so just given my background a little bit, I grew up in Hawaii and going to school every day, I always felt like I was going to get in a fight just because I was a quiet kid. And, you know, I, I got picked on a little bit because I was a quiet kid and I, you know, I always wanted to stand up and defend myself, but I didn't have any training. I didn't know how to fight really. So I started training and that just kind of became something I fell in love with. I loved the process of just showing up every day and training. And, and then I wrestled in high school and I wasn't very good because, you know, I started in 11th grade and uh, I started out actually doing jujitsu and in jujitsu, you're, it's okay to be on your back and in wrestling, that's the last place you want to be. So I was always getting pinned in high school and eventually went up, uh, going on, I wrestled my senior year, got six in States, wrestled two years in college in Iowa, Wartburg, uh, Wartburg college or D three school in Iowa. And from there I came home for the summer. I did an amateur MMA fight and when I, f I finished the guy in the first round, I fought a guy named Micah Ige. We had the same last name. So it was like a battle for the names. And I was like, I can't lose to this guy. <laughs> and I, I took him out in the first round. And it was just a different feeling when I won that fight. And at that moment on, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I just kind of went all in. Uh, obviously, you don't make money when you start out. So I had to work a full-time job. I was working construction full-time and training. But that was... That's grind. where, yeah, it was the grind. It was the grind. And I just felt like that's what I had to do. And that's what I had to pursue. If you're looking to create high quality content for your business or brand, I want to encourage you to check out my signature course called Start Your Studio. This is where I help entrepreneurs and content creators dial in their signature setup by showing you what gear to buy based on your budget, how to set it up, and then ultimately how to use it. I've designed this programs from the frustrations that come from people on my videos that get millions of views where I get thousands of comments. And so this is something I found out that you don't need the best gear, you need the right gear. So whether you're showing up weekly on a Zoom call or you're looking to start creating high quality videos to increase the leads into your business, I would encourage you to check out startyourstudio.com. I'll post a link to it in the description of this episode. Dude, I think that's so cool because I very similarly can relate. Like had it not been for high school where I, I chose to take broadcast journalism as my elective and that was the first time I got my hands on cameras and editing softwares and things like that yeah. that like how how important that was that you felt the nudge to to try wrestling out yeah like it's, it's crazy to think that like like the grappling sport where like you know you wear your little spandex stuff you know yeah. is kind of what started the interest to even see the possibility but like how did you even know that like fighting was like possible because like how long ago was that would, would you say like those those first years of you wrestling in high school i mean 2007 or 07 08 yeah because like 09. i would say ufc wasn't even like was it even a thing then or like barely just got started it's so i mean it was going so actually bj Penn, he's from hawaii he was the champ at the time so he kind of like he put hawaii on the map and oh, gave wow. us all like a dream like hey this is possible you know especially coming from a smaller guy yet there was like the chuck liddell's and oh, the yeah. tito ortiz era that's kind of what put the UFC on the map. But when BJ Penn came around and he became the champion, we're like, dude, how is this like kid from Hilo, you know, a small town in Hawaii, become the UFC champion? So it just kind of gave us all that's that cool. little bit of hope and inspiration to go out there and try it. Saying that's crazy. And like, 
I don't know, as somebody who just doesn't fight people like you do. Yeah. Like, how do you get, I don't know, or like that, I think there is something in us naturally, and I could be wrong, is like we don't have this tendency to want to like hurt an individual physically. Yeah. But like you have to, you have to have this ability to be able to turn on the ability to like put pain on somebody yeah. else. How did you, I don't know, like, I guess, can you articulate somehow how you kind of can get past that and like no it's for the sake of the sport it's for yeah. the love of the game it's an art form <laughs> and it's, like yeah i mean it's definitely a killer instinct and it's it's something for me i've had to learn and develop over time and you know i, I always joke around and say i'm only a ser- serial killer three times a year <laughs> <laughs> um outside of that I, I am danny gay i'm a nice guy you know if someone if i have an interaction with someone i treat everyone the same if you're the janitor if you're the ceo of some company i try to have like the same attitude towards someone and i'm always that kind of nice guy but there are three three times a year when i'm fighting i have to turn that switch and turn that dial and just you know put that aside and really it's when i get in there it's me versus me i've always yeah. had a hard time like especially through my identity in Christ going out there and like hurting someone. But at the same time, it's, it's my job. My, my, my livelihood, my family is on like crazy. Their livelihood is on the line. So I have to kind of put that at the back of my head and it it kind of kill or be killed, you know, that mentality. And because he's trying to hurt me too. Right. And I'm essentially just in there defending myself (laughs) and I'm trying to knock him out before I get knocked out. (laughs) Yeah. Like I feel like you have number, like I would think that that would take such a high level of emotional intelligence. Like you say, to be able to turn it on. Yeah. Cause they say that like, because you're a professional fighter, technically speaking, your, your hands are a weapon. Yeah. Like if, if you got in a bar fight, you're getting in more trouble than if I got in a bar fight, not because I'd lose the fight, (laughs) (laughs) but because my hands aren't weapons. Yeah. Uh, and for you to have to be able to turn, not only turn it on and off, you know, come fight time, but that, like you mentioned, you're a Christ follower. Yeah. And so like, you know, you've asked me multiple times to pray over you before a fight. And like the prayer is kind of like, I'm always the kind of guy that wants to make a prayer uh, a very uh, rooted in the right way. It's not like, you know, the prayer isn't, you know, I pray that you make Dan win the fight the prayer is that you would be obedient to the holy spirit and that you would have the wisdom to operate like it's a it's a different way of praying i can imagine that like maybe somebody else would have the the opposite type of prayer like you know i just pray that the the end the 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 opponent doesn't know what they're doing yada yada yada. but no let's pray for your mind let's pray for your spirit but i would love to talk about that moment so you have this moment where you know, you see it possible that you can, you can do this with your life. You can become a professional fighter. Mm-hmm. You talk about your faith. What was that moment like? Uh, you, you know, trusting Jesus as your own personal Lord and savior. Um, so that I actually, when I, when I gave my life to Christ, I was in high school. Um, I was attending a youth group at the time and that's when I just kind of started wrestling and, and like my, my pastor gave me a verse Colossians three seventeen to do, you know, any word or deed do everything, everything that you do, do it, do it, you know, do for the Lord. And I took that verse and I carried it with me in my training, you know, in my day-to-day life. Obviously I had my backsliding years where I, you know, I fell off, I was saved, but I just went, went off. I had my experience. I have a long testimony on that. Just like, you know, doing things I probably shouldn't be doing, but you know, it, it all, I, it all comes back to Christ and, and he was there with me the whole time. But essentially from the day-to-day faith, you know, it, 
it was always testing myself, pushing myself to get out of my comfort zone because I, f- I feel like the magic always happens outside of the comfort zone. So like everything I did was uncomfortable, obviously working construction 40 hours a week, then going to train while I've been in the sun all day, shoveling and working concrete to going and picking up bodies. You know, after I was picking up wheelbarrows, <laughs> I go to pick up bodies and that was that was hard, but it was like very callousing for my mind. But I always had that like thought, like, you know, I know Christ suffered, so like I can suffer a little bit and just go through this process and and just believe in it because I, in the beginning, no one believed in me. Mm. You know, my wife did at the time. You know, she was my girlfriend at the time. She had a belief in me, but everyone else around me, my friends, my family, because I wasn't the most like talented guy, I just knew how to work hard. Like no one really believed in me till maybe maybe till i made Not it to the u.s till you were in top 10 yeah for real for real <laughs> uh, so dude so okay you say you had a season where you you kind of backslid and if you're listening to this and you're like what does that mean to be you know to backslide it's kind of a christianese term to say that like at one point you made a decision and you told god you were serious and then because quote-unquote life happens uh, you know, sometimes we 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 take God off His throne and we be, we put ourselves onto the throne. And then you had a season where you kind of just lived for you, yeah. And you know, did, walked in your plan. Mm-hmm. What did recom- What what did that moment look like where you were like now become you became serious about your faith? Like what what was it that made it? Because I know a lot of a lot of us go through that. You know, yeah. we have these ruts or we have these seasons where like where is God? And then it usually is a se- A lot of the times it's when something bad really happens mm-hmm. and we come to a really low, low moment and like, okay, God, I need you. And I'm not going to do that again. Like, what was that for you? So I've had multiple seasons of, of going through this like backsliding. You know, the first one was just drugs and partying and going through that whole, like I went through a phase for like two years where I went this whole summer. Like I partied the whole summer and I wasn't much of a drinker, but I would take, you know, party drugs and just do do the thing you know that i thought i I wasn't hurting anyone anyone but i was having fun and then i realized i was like kid this isn't probably good for like you know training and everything then i then i went all in on the training but you know then then it becomes prideful so i'm like i'm going through the hard work like this is all me i'm getting strength from me not from the lord then and then you go. I went through another season where I was working this crazy job, you know, as a as a fight manager. This is when we first moved to Vegas, my wife and I. And I was he was very manipulative, but I, I worked so much for him. I put him first priority over my wife, over my my livelihood. Mm-hmm. Then I still had to train because I was a professional fighter. And it wasn't until like I almost lost my marriage to where like I realized I needed a priority shift. And I don't even like to say God, number one priority It's just building everything around God. Right. You know, Jabin preached that a lot, like build your life around the altar. What if I told you that you can use my studio here in Las Vegas to record your video podcast? The answer to that question is yes. The video department is the cleanest and crispiest video podcast studio in Las Vegas, hands down. And you'll get access to my team, my equipment, and all those things. So all you have to do is literally schedule the conversation, come in and get it captured. Does that sound good? Then check out the videodep.co slash studio. I'll be sure to post a link to it down in the show notes. But either way, don't miss this opportunity on starting a video podcast this year. So that was until like 2020 when I, 2019, 2020, when I 
when I really got plugged into City Light. And now it's like, here we are almost four years later. But I, you know, you, you still have your moments where you might backslide from day to day. And like, you know, you go through your little seasons of life. But I just feel very strongly and firmly rooted, so you know, good. in Christ. And that's been the biggest thing for me and my success. And just like my happiness in general and like having some kind of, you know, grace for myself as I go through, you know, wins and losses yeah. in my career. Yeah, like, which is crazy because like, you know, not not many people can relate in the sense that our, how people view us is based on like actual winning and actual losing. Yeah. And like the, you had a rough year a couple years ago where, uh, dude, you just freaking kept losing, bro. Yeah. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, like, but then, but then not to find your identity in your losses. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, I, I personally can't imagine a professional athlete, you give your identity to a sport and because you do that, depending on the outcome of those, uh, these games and these fights or whatever, that like you, you can't help but be so up and down. Yeah. Um, so like I would say like how, how has that been able to, how has your relationship with God been able to influence the ability to not really put your identity in the outcomes of your fights. So, you know, it, it, it came through going through that, you know, to, to learn from that. And, you know, just for, for the, for the people at home listening, you know, I went through a season from 2021 to 2023, basically where I lost three times. So I, I didn't get a win for two, for, for two years. Yeah. You know, I, my, I fought in March, 2021. I got a, Knockout of the night, 50K bonus, like Which life by was the way, good. Just to break it down, like if you become, if you have the fight of the night, literally from UFC, they just, they, you as the fighter get a bonus of $50,000. Yep. Cool. So, and we'll get into some of the money stuff, which I'm excited to. Yeah. But. So had a great, you know, great performance, $50,000 knockout of the night. And that's why they call you 50K. Yeah. Because how many times have you gotten kind of that? Um, Officially only three, but I mean, that I've gotten robbed a few times That's from that fair. performance. But I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I, my wife was pregnant, 36 weeks pregnant at the time of that fight. And I had called out this guy at the time, you know, Korean zombie, who yep, was number four in the world. And they called me while we were in the hospital. We're like, hey, here's the fight you asked for, you know, main event, June 19th. And I felt like my wife was literally about to give birth and I was like, listen, here's our situation. You know, I, I talked about it with my wife and she's like, yeah, you have to take it. You know, it's a, it's a great opportunity. You asked for it. And so I took that fight, um, went through the whole training camp, had a newborn, you know, my, my son, Bam. So thankfully my mom was staying with us. So she helped a bunch and I, I went all in. I mean, not that I haven't gone all in on my training before, but I did everything right and trained super hard and went into that fight and lost the decision. And I, I took that really hard and took mm -hmm. it very personal because I did everything that I'm supposed to do. And so part of me wanted to get that back right away. Yeah. So I got another fight. They offered me a fight in December and I fought at the T-Mobile Arena. It was sold out, big crowd. And I remember walking out into that fight just completely numb because at the time I didn't know it, but I was going through a depression because of the, the amount of pressure I put on myself as a dad to go out there and perform Dude, and provide. And not to mention this is like in the whole C19 
you know, you fought that, that fight in June was like no crowd. Right. Yeah. And then, and then here you are the T-Mobile arena. Like, yeah, I could imagine that's playing such a huge role as well. Totally. And uh, yeah, it was, it was very hard for me to just embrace the moment and like be there. But my mind was somewhere else. It was wandering. I went into that fight again, another very close fight and I lost the decision. Some people say I won, but at the end of the day I lost. Yeah. And so I don't, I was like, beating myself up over it because i was like dude i'm doing everything right i'm i'm sleeping good i'm eating good i'm i'm dedicating all my time i have to training and recovery and you know not the lord (laughs) just everything on my own and i I mean i was going to church just kind of going through the motions but i didn't build my life around that and then again i went through one more fight i fought again in june they gave me 17 weeks to prepare so I fought a Russian guy who was undefeated. So I was thinking my mindset was Rocky. I was like, Rocky three, I'm going to Colorado. I'm packing up my bags. I'm leaving my family. I'm going to do this right and going to come back and get the W. And again, I went through that fight, just mentally burnt out. And I showed up fight night and I was like, I was so behind and lethargic because my mind was burnt out and I never gave myself any rest mentally. And you know, that's where, like, I learned through this process. That's when I met D. I mean, I, I knew D at the time, but that's when he really came into my life. And, like, we just started, like, he'd come over in the morning. We'd have coffee. We'd do ice baths and just, like, talk about life and talk about church. And so good. You know, created we created a foundation to where... You know, that's when when I realized where my identity is, again, within Christ. And he, he was like a constant reminder. He was a Barnabas. He was an encourager. So he encouraged me daily. And I was encouraging him. And I didn't know it, but I encouraged him through this process when I really needed it. And when I started separating my identity again from winning and losing and understanding the port the importance of just brotherhood and community and because I'm, I'm such a um just an introverted person I, I i i would isolate myself because i was just training and then i have no time for no one else except for my wife and son and i don't think that was a bad thing but what i didn't know i needed was my brothers mm. you know my church my community because everyone at church, when I first started going, it's like no one knew I was a fighter. Yeah. They just knew me for Dan Ige and they loved me for that. And I always had a hard time getting close to people because like, dude, I don't know if you want to be my friend because I'm top 10 in the world. I feel that. <laughs> I feel that because I'm top 10 in my, you know, 100%. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's when I just realized I was like, okay, this is, I see what the bigger picture is. You know, I didn't really have like a, other than becoming a champion, I didn't have a purpose. Like I didn't know what my purpose was. So going through what I went through, you know, going through experiencing depression, anxiety, you know, negative thoughts. I I learned that all of us, you know, human beings go through a lot of this thing, you know, a lot of the same stuff. And I realized I have a platform and that I can use my platform to help people and encourage people. Have you ever asked yourself the question, Omar, how the heck does your videos look and sound so dang crispy? 
It's literally the number one question I get asked, whether it's privately in the DMs or people commenting on my videos on Instagram or even on YouTube. The reality is I believe the quality of videos that I've been able to produce has been the recipe to my success online. And I wanna give you access to my live document where I've listed out everything I use, both for the podcasts I create, to the YouTube videos I make, as well as to what I use for my smartphone to make it look and sound amazing. The reason I put it on a live doc is because I keep this document updated in real time with everything that I'm using. So just head over to the videodepth.co forward slash crispy, or just click the link down in the show notes. Let's get back to the conversation. You know, there you have other people that do the other things that use their platform and, you know, talk a bunch of crap and like, you know, build it up because, you know, they're just trying to make money. But I realize I can use my platform for good. And it gave me more sense of a purpose. And that essentially helped my fighting. You know, now I'm on a two five win streak. I'm not going to do out again. I feel good. And yeah. <laughs> But that's that's the game, man. It's up and down, and I know it's you gotta wild. just kind of be good with it. Dude, it's been it's been crazy, like seeing you journey through it. You know, like just because you're you train for a season and you have these like really high highs a few times a year, mm-hmm. and then stewarding the emotional turmoil in all that could be so taxing for an individual. But I think yes, you, I want to encourage you. Like you do it so well in the sense of how you use your platform to give God glory, how you use your platform to show what it's like to be a faithful husband, uh, a loving father, and then also a leader. You know, you lead a small group at our church. And it's cool that like you say, man, I've just, you know, at at a moment you felt worried because like, I don't know if people want to just be my friend because I'm like a, a UFC fighter, but like you've put yourself in a position to be used yeah. in a way that like maybe there would be a person that's like, hey, there's he's leading a small group, yeah, like a men's small group. Uh, and, you know, what that could do to an individual to see that. You know, I think about when I first got saved, it sounds so materialistic and, and silly, but when I saw what the pastors that I was watching preach wear, they were wearing like clothes I would wear. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, that's so cool. Yeah. Like this person is so passionate about God, but like they dress really cool. Like as, as silly as that was as a, as a 20 year old, it, it connected with me. And I could only imagine like how that's how you and Kyle, you know, with your guys's group are helping other men, fathers. And I know there's been so many cool stories that have come out of that. How, how has it been to be married to, and I think you guys do it so well, you and your wife, Savannah, as far as her involvement in your training, in your nutrition, Mm -hmm. but like, how, how, I don't know, how, how does a, how, how does one support a fighter of a husband, yeah. you know, in all of that? Like, how does Savannah do it? She's, uh, she's truly great. You know, my wife, Savannah, she's the definition of a ride or die. She goes through all the emotions that I go through, you know, the highs and lows of the sport going through, you know, putting herself secondary w- when it is training camp to make sure that my needs are met, that I can perform at my absolute best so that at the end of the day that I can give them, get back to them and provide for them because this is my job. It's, it's a weird job. It's crazy. You know, I go and train every day. I don't get paid to go train. I That's literally wild. have to show, keep myself accountable and show up every single day, whether I feel like it or whether I don't. And 
you know, we, we don't get the bag until we step in there and they lock that cage door. And, and so it's a lot of commitment going into that. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you get injured. Sometimes your opponent gets, you could go all the way up to the fight night and your opponent get drop doesn't make weight or drops out or gets the flu. And then you don't get paid. That's wild. And that's, that's the hardest part about this sport. It's just, you know, is being consistent in that and, you know, trying to keep your mind, you know, steady as you go through these ups and downs of the sport because nothing, you know, tomorrow is not guaranteed. We, we don't know. So taking it one day at a time, day by day, and just giving it our absolute best effort every single day, that's all we can do and that's all we can control. And, you know, again, my wife has been amazing on this journey. And now, you know, as a mother of bam and second baby Let's on the go. way um <laughs> you know that that that's her role now she's an amazing mom she does everything she's a stay-at-home mom she takes care of bam she's a primary parent where my role which took me some time to figure out and understand is going out and giving my best effort every single day and that helps that that makes me feel useful when i'm able to go and train and and, and give my best dude that's so cool. Let's let's go into like the money side of things because I was actually very surprised. A few, I think it was a couple of years ago, we were sitting at Bad Owl Coffee, and you were sharing like what you essentially make, and you were in a losing rut, you know. Yeah. And it blew me away that like somebody at your level, you know, would have financial issues. Mm-hmm. But like, like I would love for you to break down what is it like to be a professional fighter financially like you just mentioned you don't get paid to train yep you're, you're gonna get paid to fight but until you fight mm-hmm. you don't get paid but you have bills and expenses you have to occur trainers and things like that so like how, how does one start because like the way my brain works is like oh dang you are this business like your body and your skill is a business mm-hmm. and the expenses to make this business run well it you know you have to upfront those costs yep. yes like so it's crazy. for a lot of people that don't know, you, you would think this, the day you get into the UFC, like you're set, you don't need to, you don't, <laughs> like you, you don't need to work at that Conor job. McGregor level for, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's, that's what I thought too. But I, I worked another job, maybe six, seven fights into my UFC career. So a starting, a starting pay for a UFC fighter making their debut is like 10,000 to show 10,000 to win. Dude, and no thank you yeah dude <laughs> like and, and like coming from making like like a thousand and a thousand on it's the wild. regional scene like you're like sweet 10 g's <laughs> like i remember i fought in the contender series they paid me five thousand to show five thousand to win but when i went into fight week they gave me per diem they gave me 700 bucks oh okay that and adds i was up. like dude I, this is like more money than i ever <laughs> even yeah. made from a purse and i went to the crap stable <laughs> um Backslid. But yeah, I backslid for <laughs> sure. <laughs> um so yeah, that the fight the the pay is crazy, but you know, I, I'm on my fifth UFC contract now. I'm making pretty decent money. When you say contract, that's like a year or like so oh, yeah, what does that mean? So when when I sign to the UFC, the standard they'll give you four fights, you know, ten thousand and ten thousand. And if you win, uh it'll escalate. So you might go like ten and ten. 12 and 12, 14 and 14, 16 and 16. Typically, fighters, after their third fight, they would renegotiate, re-sign with the UFC. So I've done that. Um, 
five times now. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm on my fifth contract, so I'm making decent money. And but when I went through that season when you and I met, uh, I was in a very tough spot financially. And 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 in perspective, I'm very blessed. Like I, I bought a home, my truck's paid off. Yep. You know, I don't have to look at the price of whatever what dinner's costing or yeah. whatever. You know that that. That was the goal to me from the from the beginning was like I just want to make it one day to where I don't have to worry about how much dinner is going to cost. Sure, I, I've 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 surpassed that, so I'm very blessed and fortunate in that perspective. But from from a fighter perspective and an athlete perspective, you know, you take top ten in the world. So I did this. I looked this up one time. Let's just break it down. There's ten weight classes in the UFC, so that puts me. Somewhere in the top 80 in the world. Yeah, or sorry, there's eight weight classes in the UFC. And um, that puts me in the top 80 in the world if you take the top 10 from each weight class. Right. Weight class. I looked at what the top, the 80th ranked baseball player makes. And it was like 27 mil a year or something. So I got very, there was a season where I was very resentful. Sure. I was going through this like, I chose the wrong sport. Yeah, I was just <laughs> yeah. dedicating my entire life, and I'm losing. I don't have time to work another job because I'm literally sacrificed. I have no energy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have, I go all in. I train two to three times a day. Like right now, we, you're in the middle of a two-a-day, meaning you worked out. Yeah. You had to work out this morning, mm-hmm. and like you're about in a couple hours going to go back and work out again. Yeah. yeah wow. I had like a crushing wrestling practice, and I'm going to go get crushed again for <laughs> strength and conditioning, but... Again, I don't have a ton of time in between because I'm focused on recovery, nutrition, everything else to fuel my next session. And so I went through this. I had that fight, that knock of the night. It was amazing. I went one and two, won once, lost twice in 2021. Then in 2022, I fought one time uh, in June, and I didn't have another fight till January 2023. So 2021, I made decent money. You know, even though I lost twice, I had one main event. I had one performance of the night and made okay money. So I had to pay decent money in taxes on for 2021. But yeah, going into... Because 20- you're a contractor. Yeah. Yeah. Everything, I get 1099. So it's on me. It's crazy. Because like, so that means you a contract, you're responsible for your health insurance. You're responsible if like you break something. You know, yeah. Yeah. There's things that like, you know, there's like, we could take like training claims, like uh, injury claims. Um, pay a deductible and the UFC will cover it and then we're covered from the fight anything that happens into the fight but that's why mm. a lot of people will go into fights injured because they want to use the insurance wow. to, to claim injury that's wild <laughs> that's a whole nother topic yeah. but yeah and then again let's go back to the starting pay 10 and 10 right people are paying managers 10% they're 10 to 15 to 20% depending on their manager they're paying their coaches 10 10, 15 percent, sure, and then taxes 20, 30 percent. Yeah, so dude, really, you're like getting five like grand. five and five, right, or less. And then all your food, all your training, so it's almost negative. No, it's wild, but I mean, I would even wonder like a coach that's a grind for a coach, like they're yeah. only like to, to put their eggs on a basket of this a newer fighter, yeah, they have to really believe in that person. Cause like, I mean, also for them, a thousand bucks, man, you know, they would need a handful of those guys to be able Mm -hmm. to be training up and stuff. Yeah. And it's hard, especially for the coaches that they'll put in a 
eight week training camp and then someone gets injured or pulls out, no one gets paid. It's so wild. It's a, it's a it's a rough sport, but you know it's trending, you know upwards. Sure. And would you say it's like, you know, like you're a coffee connoisseur? Where well, we're in what is called the third wave of coffee. Yeah. This is where the specialty roaster and stuff. Like, do you feel like the UFC? Like, I don't know, similar to like golf. Like, who would have thought that golf would have gotten to a place where like a new league would open up and like it would cause all this drama? Yeah. Do, would you say the UFC is still on the come up on figuring out the, like the legitimacy? Because when you talk about it in this light, not to ding the, the the league, but it sounds like it's not. I mean, you're you're you are making it hard for somebody to want to want this. Yeah. And like the only thing you have banking on a league is is the the level of uh of athlete and the level of competitive nature that would be uh distributed on a entertainment standpoint yeah and if you take away the these these like financial upsides that other sports would have i mean you you make it hard for somebody to want to fight totally so it's such a fine line. It's very hard because in the beginning, it was never about the money. Sure. And it's just, it was to be the champion, to be the best. And the money comes, right? But there are there are other leagues out there that are coming up that are, that are competing with the UFC. They're paying more money than the UFC is paying. But the... The battle is, it's like, do you want to be a UFC fighter or do you want to be a, this other league that literally no one knows? If you just, you know, ain't your general person that I'm talking, you know, maybe the people that are listening to this right now, it's like, ask them to name three MMA promotions. Like, maybe they'll just name the UFC. Right. No. Like, do you train UFC? Do you do, like, MMA? Like, <laughs> that's literally all they know. And so it's like, do I want to make more money? Like, is this about the money? And when it's about the money, you're the passion could, you know, 100. fizzle away. And that, that, that's a dangerous, you know, field to play. So like now I'm, I'm doing well, like I'm making six figures plus a fight. Uh, I'm doing okay. Like, and if I can fight two, three times a year, like there's scale to make $500 yeah, million. It, it seems like someone needs to know if they're getting into fighting at this level, they need to know that it's almost like wealth building over time yes. that your fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, tenth year is when it really gets sweet. Yeah. But you got to get there. Yeah. And, so, that, and obviously it's lonely at the top. So, I'm, you know, I'm guessing people start to start falling off, you know, start, you're not winning, you don't want to lock in. And so you're, it's really reserved for the people who really take this seriously. And you're stepping into that era, which is pretty dope. 100%. Like I'm, I'm going on my 15th fight in the UFC yeah. this coming September. So it's crazy how fast, like, that it's been. I went through the whole journey of, you know, I went on a six-fight winning streak in the UFC, went on my three-fight losing skid, bounced back. Um, but it's all, it's at the end of the day, it is about the journey and yeah. the process. Like, these moments, these, you know, getting your hand raised in front of 15,000 fans, like, that's amazing. But it's the day-to-day process that we have to look back on and be like, that was the best part is showing up every single day, getting to see my brothers training hard and putting in that work because you may, I may never reach the belt, but I always have something to strive for. And it is about showing up every single day and just giving it your best. And I I believe good things will come from that. Dude. I think it's really cool that like your son uh, and future, do you guys know what you're having? 
We don't know yet. Oh, yeah. we'll no, I mean, next week. Yeah, but like that your kids yeah. are watching their dad like... Just call it a girl. Yeah, you want a girl? Yeah. Now, being a girl dad's pretty tight. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I just think about like how cool is that? That like he gets to bam or and then your your next get like they get to watch their dad do something at such a high level yeah and um and i just think that's really fun and i bet you like the you know i could only imagine not that i bet you but like that the relief part of it is so rewarding like yeah when you win and you guys take the, that vacation or even when you lose and you take that vacation yeah. like working up until a fight is such a huge accomplishment win or lose Totally. That like that moment afterwards to reset and like recalibrate, you know, it you allow to live your life in like a I think a, a great calendar season uh, to be able to you know really think about you know probably self reflect and all yeah, that stuff. Totally, and I that's been a suit. You actually help instill that and like make it almost mandatory. Like have a vacation planned after my fight, which I would never do because whenever I get a fight date. It's um, it was before it was almost impossible for me to plan anything past that date because in my mind, like I go to a different place, I, I'm yeah. literally prepared to die. And what I'll tell my wife, like, I don't want to plan it. What if I die? Like, I literally that's how I think <laughs> in my brain. And then I, after that, I just started pre planning vacations just to have something set out to like, hey, win or lose, we're gonna go unplug, we're gonna go to Hawaii, we're gonna go to Mexico, do whatever, and just like chill for a week and then we could go get back to it. But it is very satisfying and win or lose. One thing that I know is like, I'll go home, win or lose. My family still loves me. My yeah. wife still loves me. Bam treats me the same. He doesn't, you know, think I'm a loser cause I lost. Like he'll still run up, give me a hug, punch me in the, my black eye. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just, that's life, man. That's what it's all about. It's just going out there and being a, a good example for my son and, and my future kids and just trying to set them up with something, set up a foundation so that, you know, they could be successful in their lives. So good. Dude, it's funny because, like, there have literally been multiple times where, like, the day after a fight, you show up to church. Yeah. And you're, like, wearing, like, black low glasses, yeah. like, trying to, trying to lay low. Um, but, like, you, I, I've literally seen you heal multiple times, like, your face and your body and stuff. Like, I don't know, just to kind of, like, tap into nutrition and health like I'm, I'm i'm in a season i'm 32 now and i'm trying to take my health more serious and i know you're like savannah your wife has helped a lot yeah um you know counting calories and like you know just being cognizant of what it is you're eating and moving your body but like how would you if somebody is because i would imagine there's a lot of people even we think i think everybody's thinking about this like are your health yeah and like that's such a priority for you because if you're not if you're not a1 physically mentally spiritually that like you could literally cost yourself a fight just if you're not at that level so how would you encourage people to like to go about taking it serious on a practical level yeah i mean so our mind body and health is all we have you know our mind body and spirit should i say um i take my nutrition and just the way i approach my life because we have one body you know god gave us one body and it's our responsibility to take care of it. And it's such a, people say it, well, I don't even want to say it's hard because it, it might be hard to start, like if you're not already used to living that lifestyle, but it, it, it comes down to a lifestyle. How, mm. how do you, you know, the things that you put in your body, that's not saying you can't 
you know, enjoy in and out with the family because I used to be very strict on myself and restrict myself from a lot of foods and I wasn't healthy. You know, I was like making sure I'm, I was almost too clean. I was eating too clean and I had no allowance for myself to where mentally I would start to suffer. And then when you mentally suffer, everything else suffers. So um, I just, it, it is a balance for me. It's like everything I eat, especially like in a training camp is very dialed in. Mm-hmm. I, I'm eating at the same times on the hour. I'm... I'm fueled for every single training session. I'm fueled for every post-training session. and But when I'm not in a fight, I still eat, you know, fairly clean. But I, I, I just don't track it as diligent. But, I, you know, I just – I try to eat mostly very good earth-grown foods. But then there's days, like, where I have to allow myself, like, I'm going to go have, you know, Chick-fil-A with Bam and, and Savannah or I'm going to go to In-N-Out and, like – have that a little bit of allowance for yourself and be mindful while you're, while you're eating that type of food, because, you know, it's a rewarding thing. I think in this day and age, we're so like caught up on our phones. So, and I, I'm very guilty of this where I'll, I'll, whatever I'm eating, I'll like be on my phone at the same time and like not actually tuned in with what I'm eating and what's going into my body. So things I've done to help me is just be very in tune with the moment and it helps you be present too, which will carry on to other aspects of life. But be present in the moment of actually enjoying the food that you're intaking and be present with your family while doing so. So that's something like we'll do like a family dinner with Bam, Savannah and I will all eat the same thing. And it's like generally healthy. We'll have like our carbs or some type of veggies, some type of protein. But we're all eating the same thing together as a family. Really cool. And that's been like awesome just really for cool. like mental health, physical health, spiritual health, like bonding with your family. And I think that's like the foundation of anything you're, whatever you guys do at home, you know, you don't have to be a UFC fighter, but just a person. If you're a person, you know, take your health serious. And I love how you say that because, I mean, I've heard this kind of said before by a preacher that like time with your family is time with Jesus, you yeah. know? And I like how you, you're, you're, you say be intentional about what you're putting in your body. I think most times when I have those seasons where I'm not, I don't really, I'm not thinking about my health as as, as a uh, as a priority, that I'm not thinking when I'm with what I'm putting in my our bodies, which is so crazy that we actually get there as general consumers and mm-hmm. you know um, you could say Americans that we just are on the go, on the go, yeah. go, go. That like we're not even taking a moment to realize like I'm I'm putting this in my body. Yeah, you know, like you look at the back of the label, it's like. 21 grams of sugar like that that's for i put 19 grams of coffee like in this same drink there's 21 grams like it's 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 wild um but that's really cool i love i love that how you guys eat together eat the same thing and and being present with what it is you're eating would even Mm -hmm. help with being more conscious about what it is you're eating Mm -hmm. um okay so you're about to go into this fight you're in this you're in like you're in the transition mode of becoming like Dan the killer, you know? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I want to talk like you, you probably in some sense have a mastering uh, ability to master your beliefs mm-hmm. because I, I would imagine like, have you ever gone in the ring and thought you were going to lose? I no. Okay. I, so then I would, I would want to ask like, how do you have a winning mentality? Like, because I could only imagine you have to with you have to believe that you're probably the greatest in the world. Mm-hmm. 
Like if you're going to be fighting all different types of people, yeah. like how, how have you been able to take like, you know, control of your beliefs? Yeah. So actually, you know, I want to take that back. I do have, I have had doubts. I've had, I have insecurities, you know, that's why I work so hard and do the things that I do because of, that's you building know, your belief. Yeah. Yeah. But I, when I'm actually walking to the cage, that's out of my mind. I'm not thinking at that, at, you know, I'm not thinking about losing. I'm not even really thinking about winning. You know, I, at the time it was all about win, 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 win. But now I'm just, you literally, when I, when I, when I step in the octagon, I, I'll, my prayer to God is not like, give me the victory. It's just like, take me to the promised land. Like that's, that's, that's what I, be, that's what I'm just believing that this is where, whatever's supposed to happen tonight is going to be the best thing for my life. Mm, so, so I don't, I, that's the best way for me to separate myself from winning and losing from the outcome. And that helps me perform better and more free, even though I still have that, like, I want to win because I want to, I want that second paycheck. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> um, but the, the doubts, the insecure, like right now I, I have this, these last two weeks have been really hard for me where I've just, yesterday I was sparring. I had a horrible sparring day. You know, I, I, I sparred four rounds, four hard five minute rounds. And I was going with different, like different bodies, fresh bodies. And like, I was just performing like horrible. Mm. And I was everything I'm doing, like I'm game planning specifically for my, my opponents. So I have guys that are, you know, coming in, trying to take me down, trying to hold me down and basically do what my opponent will try to do. Cause those are his best strengths. And like, I was losing those rounds. I was getting be I was getting taken down. I was getting held down. So where my mind will naturally go is like, dude, if this dude who's probably not even as good as the guy you're about to fight can do like you start having these doubts of like, man, like, am I, am I even good enough? Like I, I feel weak. I feel, I feel drawn out. I feel skinny cause I'm dieting. I'm working hard. I'm overtrained. So you, you, you go through these little doubts and, and misbeliefs, but it, they're just thoughts. Mm. They don't have to be true. And that's yeah. one thing I learned again through, you know, therapy, talking with, you know, mindset coaches and everything. It's just, and just sermon, you know, listening to sermons that Jabin preaches or you preach. And we have so many thoughts, but you know, they're not always true. Mm. You know, you don't have to believe in them. You don't have to buy them. So my, my way of bypassing those negative thoughts is just keep showing up. Do it anyways. You know, I'm just because in my head, like I had a bad day yesterday doesn't mean I'm not going to ever spar or do this again. So it's just, I showed up today again, another hard day. It was straight wrestling and I was wrestling with Lance Palmer. He's a four time all American from Ohio state. One of the best wrestlers to ever walked this planet. And if he takes me down, it's like, you know, I, I go home and like, man, I got taken down today. But then again, it's like, I gotta give myself a little grace. I'm, going with the best guys in the world on a daily basis to try to, you know, make myself better. Right. And, and I put myself in those uncomfortable positions and situations and it's, it's literally just show up, go through, go through the good days, go through the bad days because that is the process. And without the good, there is no bad vice versa. And throughout the process is where the confidence is built. Mm. And, so good. And 
dude, I'll have I'll have negative thoughts literally all the way up to the day of the fight. Like I've woken up on days where I was like, didn't feel my best, and I was like, dang, I, like I know this feeling. I've I've had days where I went to sparring, I felt like this, I didn't perform well, but it's like. It is what it is, you know. It's the fight day. I can't call Dana White and be like, can we move this fight to <laughs> next week? Like, no, this is the fight day. So that's when you just have to put everything aside, trust in the process, trusting, you know, that everything you did preparing to this fight is going to, you know, your body is ready. Your body knows what to do. It knows how to work hard for 15 minutes because that's how long a fight is. And you just kind of have to shut those thoughts out. You know, you'll have them, but don't. You know, don't try to like, don't grab onto them and don't like, don't buy into them because it, it is just a thought at the end of the day and you got to show up. That's really it. good. I know the Bible says, take every thought captive and make it obedient. Yes. And uh, I remember I was getting a haircut by D and he, usually you hear that, that scripture preached and it's like, take every bad thought captive. But like, no, it's the good thoughts too. Yes. It's average thoughts. Make it take every th- thought captive that like we have control of our thoughts and like uh, you know we started off the conversation talking about how emotionally intelligent you have to be to not allow yourself to be you know moved by your emotions or moved by your bad thinking or even average thinking or whatever you know mm-hmm. just you say like st- stick in the process that's really good i think that's so helpful like as far as anyone like doing life like yeah. we're all doing life in some capacity and i think in a um, you know, a, a paralleled way. We, we all have these fights that we go through in life and, um, how we approach them, what we're doing in the process to prepare ourselves when that moment comes is so important. It's about the process for sure. And I think another good thing is like keeping it playful mm. because again, something I've learned along the way, is like, I take everything I do super serious and almost too serious to where it's not even fun anymore i'm like why am i like why am i like this you know i i'll I'll beat myself up because i am so serious about it so over time i've developed i you can call it a strength of just like keeping it fun keeping it playful all the way up to the actual moment when you have to lock in dial everything in and i think that helps you actually flip the switch when it actually matters because again mental energy like it's hard to stay focused. It's hard to stay focused for a minute. You know, if I just said focus on exactly what what you're feeling in this very moment, I'm talking about like the air on your skin, what you're clo- like feeling, all your senses, what do you smell right now? What do you see? What do you hear? Focus on all these things for a minute. Like you'll get distracted and you're you'll have thoughts that start coming through your head, then you get, you know, you'll start going on this weird at least I do. You yeah, know? no, when I do. Um but you say you you have a mindset coach. Let yeah. me let me just I want to go there for a second because like I don't think a lot of regular people value coaching. Yeah. In any capacity, and it's crazy to think that professionals, people that do what they do at the highest level, don't do it alone. Yeah. How many coaches would you say you have? I mean, right there, mindset coach one. I have my head coach Eric Nixick. Two. I have my boxing coach Jamie Gifford. Three. I have a wrestling coach Chase Pammy. Four, I have, you know, there's a bunch of coaches at the gym, but those are like my core. Then I have my brother-in-law, Skylar Close, who I bring out um, for fights. And he's just kind of like my comfort, you know, he's there for me, helps me me with little things. So it's a whole team. I have my wife. I have a nutritionist. Um, (laughs) Why why do you think people don't value coaching? I don't know. I think people are 
you know, cheap. <laughs> Generally speaking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe though they don't want to make the investment, but it's an investment in yourself. You and, know? and then what's crazy is like when you invest in coaching, you're usually investing in somebody who's really good at what they do. Yes. So they're, they're actually going to help you get further faster. Yes. And it takes away like a lot of the, like the thinking and the stress that you would typically go through if you tried to do it all on your own. Um, but yeah, coaching is huge in that, uh, if you asked me three, four years ago, you know, to go see a therapist or do mindset coaching, like I would be like, ah, you're just, that's for the mentally weak. But like, why would I do every single art and aspect of training, but not train my brain, you know, which is, I think the sport's probably 90% mental. It's wild. And yeah, ever since I, I mean, I haven't lost since I've had a mindset coach, but that's pretty wild. Yeah. That's crazy. Like to see that like distinction that like, you had a mindset coach or you didn't have one Mm -hmm. and you had struggles with what you were thinking and like you're, you're down and you're emotional and and then you have someone who teaches you how to, how to use it to your advantage. That's like manage your emotions, manage your thoughts. And what has been one of like the, the, the coolest thing your mindset coach has told you? Um, so he uses this reference called grab your balloon and grabbing your balloon is, basically means become present. So if I'm standing right here, imagine I have a balloon, I'm holding it. I know in this moment, I am grabbing my balloon, I'm holding it, it's in my hand. And then we start talking and I let it go and the balloon goes flying away. And therefore I I, am no longer present. I'm no longer in the moment, but all I have to do is just re-grab my balloon and, 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 and home back in on the moment. So for me, like what that means in certain situations, I use different tools to do this, but like a big one for me is like a sensory check. So I'll just use one example, like walking out, uh, walking out to the fight or like right when I walk in the cage and we're about to fight, what I would used to do or what I used to do was like the old Mike Tyson thing, like, I'm going to keep looking at him, I'll keep looking at him, and if he looks away, like, I got him. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's stupid. But that's what, I, I tried to be Mike Tyson. I'm not Mike Tyson, I'm Danny Gay. Um, what I've learned that helps me in the moment is taking a second to just ground myself. So what I'll do is, like, I'll feel my feet on the canvas. That's one sense right there. I'll feel my feet on the canvas uh, I'll smell my gloves. That's two senses. So wow. I smell the le- the leather of my gloves. I feel my feet on the canvas. And then number three, I'll take a look and I'll just make a connection with one random person. If they're in the crowd or I see Dana White or whatever, I don't put any thought behind it. I just make that connection. And right there, I just did three senses to essentially what that helped me do was I'm here right now. I'm in the moment. I'm grabbing my balloon. I'm present. And when I'm present, I'm going to perform at my best. And it's very important. Like there's things I'll do in the fight where I notice like if I get distracted or I get, you get bored sometimes. Like it's hard to stay focused because you get bored. Like I'll, let's just say I'm beating someone up or whatever. And I'll get bored. Like it's like a cat playing with his food, (laughs) you know, or uh, or playing with the mouse. So you, you end up giving up positions or losing a situation because of boredom. So I have to do things in the fight to, I call it a mental reset. Like a re-engage. Yeah. So whatever that might be, you know, like 
back in wrestling would be like pull the singlet down or rub your hands or just do something or rub my nose. And that just, again, a mental reminder to grab my balloon again and get back in the moment. And that's been the biggest thing. And that's helped me in life. It's helped me be present with my son. Because when I went through that whole like losing skid and depression, it was very hard for me to actually be present. Even though I'm like here with my son riding my bike, I'm thinking about the loss or I'm thinking about the next fight. I couldn't be present. And that's been a huge thing for me. It's just being able to grab my balloon and be present in my day-to-day life with my friends, with, with you right now, with my family, with my son. and That's so cool. Grab the balloon. Yep. Okay, this is... As we wrap, this is so off topic. Like, it's not off topic because you're a fighter, but like fighters' ears. Yeah. Why does that happen? It's a birth defect, man. <laughs> what? It's my birth defect, dude. Is that what? No. <laughs> no, like, at, like when, when, when? No, it's because uh, that's like that's crazy. It's like I'm going to start fighting, and babe, by the way, my ears are gonna look like this. Yeah. So I mean. <laughs> Yeah. No, so, I know. Yeah, it's called. So for the viewers at home, just go Google right now, cauliflower ear, or just type in my name, Danny Gay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you'll see it. It it just calms, man. But like, but your ears can't heal. No. So you could do everything you can to prevent it. You could wear headgear. Mine actually happened before I started fighting. It happened in wrestling. And I what I did was I took someone down with a double leg, meaning I grabbed someone's two legs, picked them up off the ground, slammed them on the mat, and my ear hit their hip bone. And just that that contact, my ear swelled up immediately with blood and pus and whatever. I drained it because that's what you do when it's fresh. You drain it with a syringe, and it just fills back up. And then you drain it again, and it fills back up. And the only way to stop it from filling back up is literally to like put a clamp on it and don't train for weeks, but I was in the middle of wrestling season. So I was like, I, this is, I'm just going to have to live with this because I have to continue to train. And eventually it hardens and it turns into like cartilage, like hard dried blood. And yeah, now has it messed with your hearing at all or no, or you wouldn't uh, know, you wouldn't know otherwise. I find myself (laughs) saying, huh? (laughs) A lot, but I don't know if that's just my mind, but it's crazy how like, you, you guys have a, I say you guys as in like professional fighters have a thing. And, yeah. and a lot of times it's that, like you could be at the mall, you could be on the strip and then you see a guy's ears and you're like, oh dang, they're probably like, they fight at a high level. Like this yeah. is what they do with their life. Like it's kind of wild. Yeah. Except there are people out there. I know people that like purposely try to give themselves cauliflower ear. Like I've seen guys <laughs> on like. so like, What a weak flex. <laughs> I've seen guys on like Instagram, like hitting their ear with a hammer. <laughs> Like, dude, dude, uh, dude, social media is making people do weird things, dude. For sure. For sure. Bro, I appreciate you. Thanks for sharing the story. And, um, you know, as you prepare for the fight this coming uh, September or this week at when this airs. Yeah. Man, I just, you know, just seems like you and more than it seems like you are at a different level, like Mm -hmm. just in your in, in the way you're approaching things like you're the way you think and how you even say like you've unlocked the reality that fighting is 90% mental. Yeah. It's such a physical sport though, mm-hmm. but like you can, we can lack that. And so I would even say if like you're listening or watching this and you're not a fighter 
and what you do is very physical, whether you are a barber, whether you do video, maybe you work at a church or, you know, maybe you're a real estate agent that like probably what it is you're doing is 90% mental. 100%. And so to prioritize. Um, 90%, 100%. 90%, 100%. Uh, is, uh, <laughs> but to prioritize your thought game yes. and your thinking. But, um, dude, I appreciate you being on, and uh, I really hope you actually do win. And, Heck yeah, dude. And secure, the, you, dude. secure the bag alert. I will. I Dan Ige, the department podcast. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you.